0: Okay, MotoGP. Well, I mean, let's just go over the top ten and then we'll extol all the <laughs> superlatives about Fabio Quartararo again. Um, first place, Fabio Quartararo. Second was Maverick Vinales. Third was Joan Mir. Four, Joan Zarco. Fifth, Miguel Oliveira. Sixth, Francesco Bagnaya. Seventh was Mark Marquez. Eighth, Alecia Spargarot. Ninth, Taka Nakagami. And tenth was Paula Spargarot. So Honda had two in the top ten. But three. I'm sorry. Well, oh, they're, well they're they're HRC. I'm sorry. Oh, both reps okay. Right. okay. Both Repsol's finish in the top ten is what I was saying. You're right. But taka has been there all year. Um but Fabio Quartararo once again, I, I mean Goodness gracious, Fabio is just he is he is there this year. He is in it. And I, I really feel like it's Fabio's year. This this break right now is super important for him to stay focused because we all know, like we talked about more than once already on the podcast this evening that momentum's a weird thing. So he needs to make sure he keeps that because right now he is riding at a phenomenal pace.
1: No, I completely agree, and uh, and he's carrying the torch for this Yamaha team right now. You know, we saw Maverick Vinales was on pole, and Maverick Vinales ultimately came home in second. Um, and, and we'll get to Maverick in a second, but um, you know, Fabio from lap five until the end of the race just put his head down and did what he needed to do. Uh, you know, he he wasn't phased by by Pekka Bagnaia. You know, and it, he was working hard to get around Peko Banyaya in that fourth sector and you know the some of the passes that that he tried to make and ultimately had to make to stay in front of Peko banyaya were very very impressive I, I mean that's such a fast section on that track it's such a a one-line section and somehow Fabio found another line through and just barged through and, and made it work and made it stick and 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 I think that this was a uh, not to say that any of his other wins were not earned, but this was definitely one that he worked for in the beginning of this race and and earned and brought it home and deserved.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've we've said everything that could be said about Fabio, right? I mean, he's yeah, he is doing a great, great job for Yamaha this year. It was the right move to bring him up. He's the right guy to be in their factory team. All credit to him for what he's doing this year. I I wish him nothing but the best. I I think he's got to be the odds-on favorite to win the championship this year, and provided we don't see some sort of crazy bad luck collapse, this guy's going to win it going away.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I think so too. Uh, um, like you said though, we just hope that the momentum doesn't swing away from him. Um, yeah, just, yep. just just because of the season that he is having
0: yeah absolutely. well, you know finishing second was Maverick Vinales, and I knew something was up with Maverick as soon the celebrations he just did not he just didn't he was not happy even though he was in second his first podium in a while. he had a bad first lap. Uh, he got a bad start and then I just don't think he's a Sunday man. I, I just don't think he is. I think Maverick is a little bit like Dennis Foggia. I think Maverick you'd get him out front let him run his pace that guy's fast and maybe one of the fastest in the paddock but if he has to race with people he can't do it he even mentioned it in the one of the post-race interviews he's like oh i just couldn't find a way around uh nakagami i couldn't do it Mm -hmm. well that's crazy because you finished more than 10 seconds ahead of nakagami but you couldn't get around him for what reason and i think the reason is what we talked about earlier Maverick doesn't have that same mentality that Fabio obviously has. I'm going to get around you whatever I have to do. Maverick wants a move that's easy and safe and hey i'm I'm sure the other writers appreciate that about him, but fabio the the mentality difference it shows up huge on sunday and and we saw it again. so I've got some
1: feelings. About the way that he handled himself on the Sunday, um, you've you, you've you've come through a tough race. You started second, you know. To your point, you started second. You had a bad start. You were in second place um, until lap four. Lap four. Or excuse, I'm sorry. You you started in second, and after lap one, you're in fourth place. You're in fourth place until lap 13th. And then you start to try to work your way back, and you actually were closing the gap to the leader. However, you know once you've finished second place after that strong showing, I understand that you're frustrated that you didn't win, but to pout on the podium to me is unprofessional. And I, and I'll, I'll go I'll, I'll piggyback off of what you said about Dennis Fog- about um, comparing him to Dennis Foggia. That he's really just not a Sunday man. Um, I, I, I I think you're right. I, I I agree with that. But when you look at the the team side to that coin, and you look at the, the that that characteristic that he's starting to build for himself in that in that manner, how do you feel as a team owner to sign someone like that? You know, he's obviously fast. He obviously brings a following with him. He, he's going to bring attention to your team. He's going to bring in sponsorship money. He's going to bring you some form of success in the in, in the uh, the series, whether it be the occasional podium and win or very steady, fast laps. If you give him the bike that he wants and, and you, you do what he asks in the garage. Um To me, that's a liability to a point. If you're going to chase a championship and you want to build a team, an infrastructure to chase championships regularly, I just don't think that Maverick Vinales is your rider.
0: Nor do I. I don't think Maverick is a multiple-time world champion. I I don't think he's on the level of Lorenzo or um, not Marquez Rossi. Um, he's never going to be that level. I mean, he's been here too many years and never won one. So, mm-hmm. um, what I think is, is that Maverick's a good, I think he's probably still one of the top five writers in terms of talent, but he's just not, his mentality on the racetrack on Sunday just isn't there what it needs to be for him to win consistently and consistently put the bike on the podium. And we see it in the results. I mean, he, well, he finished dead last. I don't think that he's
1: being overly courteous on track to to, to say, well, well no, I don't think it's
0: courteous. I, no, I, I don't I, think it's courteous. I think it's just no balls.
1: Okay. Well, okay. Okay. <laughs>
0: I don't know how else to say it. I, I, you gotta, you you gotta be brave, man. Well, you I, have to be brave to be on these bikes on Sunday and to I, go win a race. I honestly I don't, don't even that know. Brave.
1: I honestly don't even know if it's so much that because there's so much uh, pointing the finger at the bike afterwards that I feel like he gets he gets these terrible starts. But I, I think that when he has these bad starts. It puts him in such a terrible mental state in the beginning of the race, and he can't hey. snap out of that. And, and nah, he, he's
0: weak-minded, man. I think I think you're right. So I, I, I've seen it all year. And he he's compli-
1: weak-minded. He immediately points to the bike. You know, it's the bike's issue. Okay, well, Yamaha pulled Esteban Garcia. Uh, you know, Yamaha or Vinales was upset that they did that because he and Esteban were buds. Uh, you know, and and obviously it's not jiving with the uh, with Rossi's ex, uh, chief. So, I, I think that you know this segues into kind of what we're talking about, or what we had wanted to mention um, news-wise was you know Yamaha made the move, and, and Vinales obviously made the move that you know it's time to end this relationship, um, and, and I think that this is going to benefit Yamaha more than anyone else. Uh, um, I...
0: so let's contrast this move to what happened with KTM and Zarco. And with KTM and Zarco, what we had was a little different because Zarco left midseason, right? Right. Um, but I think, I do not think Maverick has a career resurgence like we're seeing Zarco have. I don't think so. I, but, it, but it's very telling to me watching Joan Mir, looking at that Suzuki so hard, after, I mean, watching Maverick, staring at the Johan Mir Suzuki, just studying that bike in Parc Ferme. I wonder if Maverick's hoping to go back to Suzuki and take that seat that Alex Renz is trying to give away. He's never developed a bike exactly. very well. And, and, it's, and, he's benefited from Rossi.
1: And, you know, you, you mentioned you wanted to, you know, compare it to how Zarko, the Zarco situation was handled. You know, Johan Zarko was in the KTM garage for half a season. That's it. Yeah. He wasn't there. He was yeah. there for half of a season. And Maverick Vinales has been with Yamaha since 2017. You know, Maverick Vinales has had five years. To work on this bike and, and to help put make this bike what he wants it to be, and to help them to to help shift that engineering, to help shift that design into what what can fit with him, and when the bike is is great, then the bike's great. You know, obviously on Sunday the bike w- felt great with for Maverick, and Maverick even said in Park Fermi, I don't know how true it is, but Maverick said they rolled the bike off the off the truck from Saxon Ring, and he said, "Don't touch it." He went out and rode the bike, and look what happened. But but on a contrasting day, that's all we were going to see was the fact that he would have pointed at that bike and said, "This bike is wrong. This is, Yamaha needs to do this. Yamaha needs to do this." There's always so much finger pointing back at Yamaha, but the inconsistency in the results for Maverick Vinales tells me that it's not a Yamaha issue. It is. It's a Maverick Vinales issue. Fabio doesn't have the same problem. It's, it's obviously, exactly right. That is exactly right. And, and you know, and and I'm sorry, but there's no way that Fabio had so much influence in a Patronus SRT garage that Yamaha said, okay, we're going to make this bike the way that he wants it. Then we're going to send him over to factory team, give him this bike and make him our number one rider immediately. That's not going to happen from Yamaha. Yamaha really, I think Yamaha genuinely wanted Maverick Vinales to be their number one rider and wanted to see he and Fabio both fight shoulder to shoulder for a championship this year. I genuinely think that was Yamaha's goal with this move and it's not come to fruition Nope. Maverick Vinales has completely let that that effort die on the vine, in my opinion, uh, you know, throughout the, this entire season. And now the relationship is over and now we're going to get a much better rider, a much more mentally uh, approachable rider. And Fra- Franco Morbidelli, who's going to be in that garage next year. Hopefully, you know, I'm not sure if final details were revealed, but, um, you know, that's that's the speculation is that Franco Morbidelli yep. is going to be on that bike with, with Fabio Corderaro. And I think this is a fantastic move for Yamaha. I know that, you know, there was some, you were a bit uh, um, frustrated with the fact that, that, you know, of how Yamaha has treated Frank Mor- uh, Frankie Morbidelli, But um, ultimately, I think that it was a good move for him to stay with Yamaha.
0: Well, I think it was a good move for for him to stay with them i don't i wouldn't have gone back if i were Morbidelli. but to your point maybe maybe this is the best business decision um so we'll have to see i i just really i don't know what's the future holds for maverick i would be surprised if he ends up at aprilia i think they have their guy you know a guy that's already tested on the bike uh pretty you know pretty heavily that, that would want to come back and he thinks the bike is good and you know, I I think they have their guy, and if they were to take Maverick over Dovey, then they deserve whatever they get. But I I think it's a there's a chance Maverick ends back up, ends up back at Suzuki, uh, where he won his first MotoGP race. So we'll see. But mentioning Suzuki, let's move on to Joan Mir, who ran a great race, finished third, and I mean, I I really I just I really love watching Joan Mir ride. He he is just so good on race day. He's just so good at it. He doesn't qualify well, but my goodness, on Sunday that guy shows up almost every week.
1: He's a very he's a very professional. He's a quiet professional on Sundays, and I, I I love it. You know, just like you say, you know he he goes about his business, and he's he's just he's kind of a silent killer all the way through the pack. You know, he he doesn't make drastic moves that you know i think he made one aggressive move slightly there and uh it had turned five on sunday but that was a move he had to make uh, you yep. know i think it was on a ducati um so yep. he, he kind of had to, to kind of barge out of the way just a little bit but we don't see that out of joanne mir a whole lot we see very um very calculated rides out of joanne mir and, and i agree with you it, he's a lot of fun to watch and and he's uh, there's a reason he's a world champion. You know he's doing. Absolutely. he goes out to his business and and brings home the bike every weekend when he can.
0: Yeah, I think I think you know he's just proving to everyone in that paddock that he's there to stay, and uh, he always has to be considered on Sunday. You always have to worry about joan Mir. Um, go again, the top Ducati again. Yep. I mean, what a season he's had up to this point.
1: I want to I want to I wanna talk about qualifying really quick with Joe and Zarco because we saw some of the Moto Two garbage uh, in Moto GP when, you know, everyone waited for Zarco to go out in Q one, mm-hmm. and I loved it because Zarco went out, looked like he wasn't even going to make it around for an, another fast la- for a flying lap. Somehow he got across the line with uh, it had to have been close to a second left. Um, to start a flying lap, and then turns around and walks into Q two while everyone else is left holding the bag. I love that, yep. you know, because he's he's so quiet, he's so seems so calm. He always looks you know, he always looks heartbroken when he's standing in the paddock, you know, and seems like a smile for him is strained, um, you know, at any time. But you know, like you say, he's the fastest Ducati. He is he's he's doing such a tremendous job on this bike this year, and it can't be stated enough. Of how big of a turnaround, like you said earlier, it, it's just he has turned his career around from last year.
0: He really has. I, I, all credit to him for surviving what sh- even I thought was a Moto GP suicide. Um, but he really, he really did. He, he, he's come back stronger than ever from it, and, and good on him. And it also shows me that, you know, it's not every time the writer. sometimes things just don't work between the team's direction and the writer's direction. And, and maybe they discovered that. And maybe they told him some things before he went there that he found out that maybe weren't exactly how he thought it was supposed to be. Um, but whatever that happened there is in the past and now he's on this Ducati and he is super fast and every week he's right up there at the sharp end. So good on him up for that. Yep. Um in fifth place we had Miguel Oliveira, the top KTM finisher. The thing about KTM this week is they were not that fast in Assen. If you if if you take Miguel Oliveira out of the mix, I mean the next place guy was in 12th and he was he was 13 seconds behind Oliveira. So yeah. KTM struggled here at Assen, but it might have had a lot to do with the mixed conditions throughout the weekend you know, you had some clouds, you had some rain here and there, you had whatever. And, and I think maybe they just couldn't get a base setting, but Miguel Oliveira now has finished in the last four races within the top five. He's got, uh, he's, he's got two seconds, a win in that run. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, Miguel Oliveira is just, he's riding a great, a great race this year, every Sunday. Um, and I can't say enough about him and, how much respect that I have for KTM moving so far forward this year, but they really struggled this past weekend.
1: Yeah, and you know, and even through the struggles this weekend, he actually gave a lot of praise to Danny Pedrosa uh for the work that he had done on the bike. And I really don't ever recall Paul Spargo giving Danny Pedrosa that kind of praise. Um but I think Danny Pedrosa was That's and, because
0: he only messed Pole up. Pole Paul, Paul never got any help from Danny. He doesn't even know who Danny is. <laughs>
1: that's the short guy that rides my motorcycle from time to time.
0: No, it was that's the guy <laughs> that you couldn't catch when you were on a KTM. And now you're the guy that took his old bike and you can't ride it like he used to ride it. So
1: you just, so you just called pole, pole Barber slow.
0: I did not, but <sighs> I do like that. You did. <laughs> that's nice. Well done. <laughs> Oh, I know exactly how I'm posting this up on social media that oh we've got more episodes. Oh, my gosh. Well, well, you know, so, but, you know, I think Miguel did a great job for KTM finish bringing the bike home in fifth because obviously they struggled. Yeah. Um, Danny Pedroza has helped them immensely uh, with his development of the bike. All credit to him. And we hear that Danny is going to make a wild card appearance, which is super exciting.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I love that. I absolutely love that. I, I can't wait to watch him ride again. I don't care if he finishes last. I just want to see him ride again.
0: He won't finish last. Renz will crash. Like um, a woman is going to go down. Oh, <laughs> that's one of his people, man. You can't talk bad about KTM. Okay. Uh, in six, we had Francesco Bagnaia. You know, Francesco had to take the long lap penalty – um, but, you know, Ducati right now, if you get outside of Zarco, they're kind of struggling a little bit, I feel like.
1: Yeah, they're, they're, they're having trouble finding their feet in the factory team a little bit. You know, I think, I think Ben is doing a little bit better of a job uh, with Jack Miller. So not sure if it's that, if that, if it's that factory pressure that, that could be getting a bit to Jack Miller, if there's something with the bike that he's trying to adjust to. Um, it's just not, not, not really clear right now, but. You know, in the earliest of part of this race, Francesco Bagnaia really did his best to kind of hold off the inevitable um, with Fab- Fabio, sure. and sure. and I think he did a really good job. It was just a matter of time until Fabio actually, you know, got past and and ran away with it. And um, I, I think he did well for what he could <laughs> for what he could do. Right. So, yeah. you know, well, um,
0: here, here's my take on Ducati right now. Ducati has always trusted that their bike is the best bike in the grid and that their riders have to catch up to the bike because they're always making these technological innovations. Um, but I think history tells us that it's not really true that your bike is the best one. Um, they, they treated many riders in succession poorly. Um, Stoner, Hayden, Rossi, uh, the list just goes on. Uh, Danilo Petrucci, DeVizioso, yeah. they, they they don't care about the rider. I applaud what Bagnia is doing and Jack has two wins. So good for Jack. He's doing the best he can do. But the truth is until Ducati figures out that the rider matters more than the latest technological innovation, they're not going to win consistently. And And I think we're seeing that. I mean, Francesco Bagnaia is a, is a world champion. He is a phenomenal motorcycle pilot. He, he needs a little bit you listening to him versus you looking at data and trying to fix it with technology. Right. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Because every little change is going to, it's going to change something on the bike at this level. These guys are going to feel that. And, and for you to say, okay, exactly what you're saying okay well we see this lack of speed or lack of downforce at this point in the track so we're going to make this little carbon piece and we're going to call it a, a rain duct and we're going to it's really going to give you downforce yep. you know well that rider now has to ride around that and yeah that gonna changed make, something else on the bike it's exactly that right it's going to it, yeah. his his sector that he might be um, you know a half a tenth slower than fabio cuaro and they find that half tenth with that little that that little technological advancement it might make him a full tenth slower somewhere else on that track and and uh, it it almost puts you in a in a point where you're chasing your tail a little bit trying to maximize everything and you can't you can't see the force for the tr- uh uh you can't see the forest for the trees if you know what i mean um so
0: i know what you mean <laughs> <laughs>
1: I agree with you, Jason. That's what I'm getting at.
0: I know you should agree with me. I'm right most you're right of the, all the time. time. Yeah. So, in seventh place, I mean, I, I not to just cut it off about Ducati, but I don't know what else to say about them. I, right. I think, I, yeah. I, mean, I, I think I think it, it is it is the same story with them every year. The bike has so many technological advancements that are so cool. You got like to figure out how. The squatting device. The squatting <laughs> yeah. device this year is amazing. The the stopping of that bike, and turning, is a dumpster fire mm-hmm. compared to the Yamaha. Now the yeah, Yamaha Suzuki cannot accelerate. Too, yeah. yeah, it it really to anyone. It, the Yamaha can't accelerate with you. They don't have the squat device. They don't have. But you know what? Your closest Ducati factory team rider was ten seconds behind that slow Yamaha. So what do you think? That's just what it is. In seventh place, I'm going to move on before I get too fired up. But in seventh place, we had Mark Marquez, who ran a phenomenal race coming from 20th on the grid. His first lap was unreal. Like the old Marquez showed up for a lap there, and he was unreal. And even though he's not my best buddy and favorite rider in the paddock, Good grief! This guy's got talent. I don't even know if he's from planet Earth, but yeah, what unbelievable result for him after what he had to overcome?
1: Yeah, Uh, I mean we are we're blessed to be able to see him ride. You know, in this era, Mm -hmm. we're blessed to be able to see him go through that injury. uh, You know, come back to get a win a year over a year later, and then now we've seen. You know, you've seen that he's still kind of sort of back you know he's he's not he, that, like you said that first lap was amazing you know moving up i think to 12th place by the end of the first yep. lap after and yeah that's on that's it's beyond impossible almost in this in this class you know to move up that yep. many places especially on it's this track so good, where there's man. not a whole lot of places to pass on this track you you've yep. really got to be aggressive to make those passes so you know he he really made the best out of that first lap brought it home in seventh beat the rest of the Honda you know it was the top finishing honda so uh, huge kudos to this to to mark marquez for what he's doing yeah um because i think he's well on his way uh, you know to returning um and really uh, it's, it's exciting to me for 2022 um to see if, if we're going to see him back at 100 percent and to really see his championship race between two solid riders and fabio and and mark marquez and then to throw Joanne Meir into the thick of that, if Joanne Meir can figure out qualifying, this is going to be an exciting season after, uh, in 2022, I think.
0: Well, yeah, and don't forget, I mean, you've got not, you've got Joanne Meir there, but Miguel, Zarco, Oliveira with, Miguel Oliveira, it, Yeah it, it, with KTM coming on now, you know, like this could be a barn burner. Up, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, um, But I I still think, you know, Mark has got a long way to come back, but this five weeks will do his uh, arm and shoulder very good. Um, But, you know, I – like you said, to see what happens next year because I think these guys now have two years, really. There will be two seasons where Mark really wasn't the Mark Marquez of 2019. And at that point, these guys have already – decided that they belong at the top right mm-hmm. mark wasn't there to remind them that he is that good nope. now he will be them but i think it'll be different for him now and it to your point it'll make some really really good racing um Alicia spargro another top 10 for Apuria. so continuing the development of this bike that was a huge step forward from the bike they had last year um let's see who they end up with definitely yeah in 2022 because it could be really really interesting in terms of the championship I mean if they can continue to develop the bike they might do the unthinkable and win a few races I mean we'll just have to see
1: definitely I mean I don't want to put the cart before the horse but that would be pretty exciting to see
0: mm-hmm they have to continue development there's no doubt about that yeah but they're on the right track. You know, I think the consistent top year is great motivation to go into the offseason and see where they struggled instead of having to ball up the napkin, throw it away and start over. Definitely. Um they've got a good they've got a good base here. Let's let's keep building on it. Good luck to Aprilia there. Uh let's see. Ninth was Taka Nakagami. And I uh, for all intents and purposes, for most of this year, Taka's been the top finishing Honda and i i am i'm if i'm lcr honda i'm super happy with my rider right now
1: yeah so i I mean i'm not even gonna lie when i watched this race my heart broke um when i saw takanakagami start to fall back um through the pack after being so close you know to that podium um he looked so good on the bike but it just looked like something happened it it took his tires fell off a cliff and and he just started falling and falling and so quickly and i hated that I, i i mean i you know, Ange and I were watching it and like I got told her, I said, like, Nakagami's got to get on the podium. You know, it's going to be awesome for him. And, and you saw just how heartbroken he was at the end of the race, uh, you know, and, and, you know, he's not content with a top 10. And no, if I'm a that's team, good, it's exactly that's what I'm that's what I was going to say. If I'm a team owner, I love that. You know, I don't love the results, but I love the fact that I've got a rider who is not content with just bringing the bike home in ninth place. He wants a win. He wants a podium. He wants to be at the front of this group running. He wants wins, and and that's awesome for for LCR Honda. You know, they've they've got an, a a fantastic rider, and I mean, if I'm being honest. I wouldn't mind seeing Takanakagami in orange.
0: Ooh. You think he should replace your favorite rider, Polo so, Slow.
1: Let's look at what – well, let's, let's take a look at what Repsol Honda did last year, right? Repsol Honda last year gave Alex Marquez two races to get used to that bike, and then they they kicked him out. Well, now they've given Polo Spargo half a season – to complain about races, to complain about the bike, to complain that he does he needs a bike just like Mark Marquez, and then he
0: and to also say he hopes they have concessions next year to develop the <laughs> yeah. bike. <Polis> Bar- <laughs> what an
1: <laughs> idiot! I, 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 Repsol Honda, the Polis Espargaro experiment has failed. You you've kind of swung and you've whiffed on the last two riders that you've put beside Mark Marquez. I'm sorry. Let's well, be, let's be to real. be
0: fair. Alex Marquez never got a chance to be really well, beside. I, I wasn't talking.
1: I wasn't talking about Alex Marquez.
0: Oh, you were talking about Jorge Lorenzo?
1: That's the fella. That's the, that, that's <laughs> you did want to say his name? I can't. <laughs> he who shall not be named. Is that yeah, what yeah. we're doing here? The one who, can, oh who shall not be
0: named. Oh, man. This guy, like Voldemort. <laughs> oh, my gosh. For the Harry Potter fans out there, that's a Harry Potter reference. Yes, right. I got kids. Well, Whatever.
1: Our Harry, our Harry Potter um, podcast is on Thursday nights, guys. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it's
0: tomorrow night.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I really think Taka Nakagami should get a shot at that rips all seat.
0: I don't disagree with you. I, I want to disagree with you you to some generally an argumentative person, but I think <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I, I really don't disagree with you. I think, you know, Taka might be the move. I, I don't – watching Alex Marquez this year, he has struggled uh, largely this year. The only time he's really much better is in the rain. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's he's not there in the dry, and I don't know why that is. I don't know if he doesn't have the bike he needs, or if they're just like, "Look, Alex, ride this." He's like, "But I don't like the way the front feels," and they're like, "What front? <laughs> you got two rears." You know, I I don't know what's going on, but he's not competitive really this year. I mean, he's bringing the bike home, which is positive. Yeah, but you know, it, you know he he's not real competitive. So yeah, I I think it Honda would do well to kick. Uh, Paul spark out of that seat because he's not representing that brand and that company now I, I don't think
1: that's exactly it we've seen how how prideful i guess and how professional these teams are and you know yamaha was i think taken aback by some of the comments that vinales had made about them and, and even Franco Morbidelli you know we saw it from uh, from Qatar when he had kind of made some comments about the about the Yamaha and you know it almost seemed like he had gotten his hand slapped a bit and he he walked back some of those comments um but no Paul Sparger was not representing the Repsol Honda brand well in my opinion at all and, and that you know that that's not coming from someone who's just not a huge pole fan but that's also coming from someone who's reading the comments and, and reading the the biased um Just harsh opinions and harsh words that are nothing but criticizing the bike after each race weekend.
0: Right. Um, Well, let me interject what you're saying because you're 100% right. But but also HRC has done themselves no favors. Mark Marquez is the worst thing to ever happen to HRC, honestly. He's the best and the worst because he is so good. He covered up so many problems for so long. And and you know who else did it before Marquez came? Do you remember his name? His name was Casey Stoner. Right, exactly. Casey Stoner came in and won a world championship. When Casey Stoner announced that he was going to retire, everybody was shocked. And Honda offered him double his salary in 2012 to come back in 2013 because they knew Casey Stoner was the answer. Now, they had no idea how good Marquez was going to be, but that story worked out okay for them. Right. But a guy like Stoner, who doesn't believe that the bike should suit the rider, that the rider needs to listen to the bike and ride it how it wants to be ridden. And I told you, I read the article where Stoner was the first guy to ever use gas and brake going into a corner, ever. No one had ever even tried to do that, but that's how he won his world championship on that Ducati. It wasn't a great bike. Stoner just knew what it had to be done to make it go fast, and so he did it. And and that for that bike, it was, you have to use the gas and brake at the same time. Yep. And that doesn't make any sense, and he was but that's what he to had to ch- do. He
1: was willing to change himself. Right. He was Pole, willing to look inward. Oh was say, not going to do that. No, not at all. No, no, we've seen that, even coming from KTM. It's not going to happen.
0: Yep. Nope. Um, he's going to ride the way he rides, and that's it. Marquez is more similar to me to Stoner. And Marquez is like, okay, what's the bike need me to do? It needs me to stand on one and fall on my elbow and save it four times a race. Fine. I got it. No problem. Cat light reflexes. Now, what we see, though, is that this year Marquez has thrown it in the gravel quite a bit, right? Because he doesn't understand where that limit is quite yet. But he's always crashed a lot. But he's got to be careful because his health will start to deteriorate if he yeah. keeps doing that. He was lucky to get away with that crash in Assen. That was yeah, nasty. That was, yes, that, that was a fast nasty. Crash. It was fast. It was it was to the moon, and a lot of guys. He was lucky he didn't break anything else. Not just his arm, but just anything. I mean, that was unreal. So. He's got to figure that out, but I think he will. That's my point. I think he will adjust what he's doing that keeps the bike fast and keeps him on it, whereas Pole just wants to do what he wants to do, and he wants the bike to suit him, but Honda doesn't do that. They let Rossi go back in the early 2000s because he wanted some changes done to the bike, and they're like, no. Mm -hmm. So Rossi went to Yamaha. So we know what HRC is going to do, much like we know what Ducati is going to do. Uh, no, the bike is the bike, ride it, you know? So that's where I think, I think you're right. Polis Barger would probably, they may let him ride his, uh, contract out, but they shouldn't, they should.
1: I wouldn't, I, renew, I right. Yeah. If you no. ask me to renew now, no, I wouldn't renew him.
0: No, I would say, okay, let's, what's your buyout clause? 5 million. Here you go. Yep. We're, so we're a multi-billion dollar company. We don't need you. Yep. Um, but you know, I, the guy that finished behind pole, I I thought I actually did okay, and that's Alex Renz. He brought it home. And I remember I said this, you just gotta finish, man. And he brought it home. So he wasn't fast. He was in eleventh. But you know what? Alex Renz, you finished a race before the break. Now we got some positive momentum momentum, is that a word? Momentum. And let's move on forward.
1: You know, you, you has to it has to be said you now too that, you know, Alex Renz fell from um, from fifth place all the way down to la- dead last on lap two. Yep. So, oh yeah. So no, you know, so Alex Rins fought all the way back to uh, to P eleven. So yes.
0: Um. So I, that's what I'm saying. It was a good race. Yeah, he did yeah. what he had to do. Yeah. And I, I'm I I was I was if I'm Suzuki I'm like okay you made a mistake but you know what you fought the rest of the race I like it. That's it. Definitely. Yeah. I, I. Yeah. I think so. I. The, the last thing I have for MotoGP is, you know, we, we've we talked about Rossi and you've earned the right race as long as you want, do whatever you want. I think at some point he's got to start considering his health post career, post race career. Yeah. Um, you know, because Ross- he's crashing a lot this year. And, and trust me, as a 40 plus year old person, crashing sucks. It hurts a lot. And uh, you got to start thinking about that. You got to think about the rest of your life. Definitely. You know, he crashed, I think he crashed
1: in turn seven, um, you know, and he crashed in turn seven a couple of years ago when they were about, when they were here at Assen, that's when he and, uh, Nakagami crashed together. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. so that's a fast place to go off uh, at this track. And, you know, like you said, you've got to definitely consider life after racing. You know, we know that the VR 46 team is going to be there, but make sure that, you know, you're there to run them too, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, Absolutely speaking of post racing career life let's talk about what's going on uh with you now you feeling this week
1: how am i feeling this week
0: yeah um
1: well i mean i've been back in the gym you know i spent uh uh went a couple of days at the gym now and uh i've been cleared to be on a bicycle and and do very very low weight stuff um not with my leg of course but you know just all around um and uh, it's doing well, Uh, you know, it's, it's not too bad. Uh, It's uh, my, my rose colored response to people is everything's normal. I just can't walk. Um, So, um, you know, I'm just trying to, trying to remain positive and, and keep like, we talked the momentum bus. I'm trying to keep the momentum going forward and, and uh, just, just keep my eye on the end the end goal with everything.
0: Absolutely, man. Well, listen, you know, we're all in your corner. We want you to get better and uh, we can't wait to see you back out there. You know, I, I uh I've I've also I, I've been working on my, my new bike trying to get it swapped and I'm
1: Yeah, I was gonna you've got the you're twenty twenty, you're almost ready now, you getting close?
0: Yeah, I'm close. I, I really just have to man up and take these forks off. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna do it today, but then I was like, it's hot. <laughs> um <laughs> Um I, I'll do it sooner or later. But, you know, I, um, as I sit out there and work on the bike, I think a lot about, you know, why we do this. And I think, you know, I was watching the you about yesterday, the long way up with, uh, Ewan McGregor and his friend, Charlie Borman. And they have done a few of this series, a long way around, the long way down. Now they're doing the long way up. And honestly, they talk about motorcycling and why they do it and they hit the nail on the head. It's just, there's just, there's just something about it, right? Like yeah. I, we can't, we can't explain it to those people who see. And, um... it's
1: like these sociopaths that go run for fun.
0: Who yeah, runs? I know that. Yeah, no, I don't. I used to, and I don't know what I was thinking. Like, I see. Yeah, we have we have a a lot of people that we see. And they're like, "Oh, come run with us!" And I'm like, well, "Where are you where are running, running from?" To? Yeah, where are we? What's yeah, chasing us. Yeah, absolutely. So, but it, for for you and me and the people in our community, there's just nothing like it. And uh, you know, I, I think Rossi is the same way. You know, we're talking about him maybe thinking about his health, but. There's nothing like racing a motorcycle. And uh, he knows that. Now, he'll get into cars for sure, what he does. You know, he races in the GT3 series already. Yeah, I I
1: saw that. Yep.
0: Um, But, you know, I I think for everybody that listens to our podcast, there's probably, they understand what we're saying. It's hard to explain it to other people because they're like, it's dangerous. It's this. Yeah, there's inherent risk with our sport, but there is nothing like it when yeah. it's, when you're you know even riding on the street when it was a when there's no traffic the weather's great the road's great there's nothing like it it's, there's just nothing like it
1: yeah it's something that it's hard to describe when you have a lap that gets pieced together and you know every shift and every break point and every apex is hit um you know, and I've never done that. I haven't either. I've yet to accomplish that. Feat. No, as I, as I was rattling all this off, I realized to myself, I've never done this. I, I've, I've, right. done, you know, I've hit an apex. I feel like I've hit apexes before on a lap, but then I've missed all the other, you know, I mean, I I like to
0: wave at the apexes as I missed them by five or six feet. <laughs> I, they're I, lava. Remember, yeah. you don't want to touch That's them. That's right. The, the, the apexes are lava. You know, the best, the best line I ever had a coach tell me early on, was I. I was coming off track and he he made a motion for me to stop and talk with him and I was like okay so we pull up beside him and he goes hey you're looking great out there you're 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 missing every apex like by 12 feet <laughs> <What's> <laughs> like okay the problem was I thought I was hitting the apex that's the real problem so I knew then that I had some work to do but I'll never forget him saying hey you look really good out there um, but you're missing every apex by 12 <laughs> feet. And I was like, Jesus, wow, that's... That, that had to have no. been
1: Joel or Dan. It, it, uh, it was,
0: it was, it was somebody. I don't remember the who one it one was, one. but it was hilarious to me even at the time. And I'm sure they went back and told somebody they said that. But I found it hilarious then. But um, as I watched that long way up, they just the way they described why they do it and how they'll always ride a motorcycle because of the feeling and the, the connection to the world. Yeah. And that is so true. Riding in the mountains in your car and riding in the mountains in your motorcycle, completely different.
1: Oh, absolutely. There, there's nothing completely like the Completely different. The, the sky changes. I mean, when the sky opens up and you come out of a tree line, you can see as far, out as far as you can, you know, across the mountaintops. And the smells that change, you, you know, you hit a, hit a patch of pines, uh, you know, when the smell comes yep. up into your helmet and... It, there's and even when you you know ride through a little bit of fog you catch that cool breeze underneath I mean, mm-hmm. the, some of the water that hits you uh, i mean there's just there's no describing it and and it's just i mean it's just i don't really necessarily feel free i just feel i, I feel, feel free when
0: i don't wear underwear
1: i feel alive I mean, so. on the bike you know oh you feel it's alive. Just, it's I, just I get it i get it you know it's just something about that that that, that you know it's it it's an indescribable feeling, really. So, yeah. if you uh, if you've never ridden a motorcycle and you find yourself listening to this podcast, um, definitely don't don't take it don't don't shut it out. You know, entertain that thought, mm-hmm. educate yourself yeah, on absolutely. it, and and, yep. uh, and really think about it, and go do it.
0: Absolutely. Well, I mean, I think we've waxed poetic a little bit at the end of our podcast, which is which is commonplace for us to ramble on about something. Oh, of course. That, yeah. I mean, this is what we do. And if you guys think we ramble on here. You should hear us at the track. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Thirty-minute conversations about nothing, absolutely nothing. Random or yelling. Yeah. Random yelling, insults thrown at one another, and you know, and somebody saying something about other some somebody else's bike. Um, but you the know, term
1: slow is used quite a bit too.
0: Lots of slow. <laughs> lots of you're dumb. <laughs> Lots of you're not the boss. (laughs) Lots of you don't know everything. Lots of lots of stuff like that. But, you know, I think uh, this is a good place to wrap it up for this particular podcast. And then we'll be back next week with the World Superbike Recap. And um, until then, as always, let's keep the shiny side up and the rubber side down. I'm Captain Novice, and uh, have a good night.
1: Have a good one, guys. See ya.